You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning. Welcome to the show. It is Thursday, August the 18th. It's cool and grey and overcast here on the Knavesmire at York, but it was red hot, white hot yesterday here on the Knavesmire as Baid scorched to a perfect 10th victory in the 2022 edition of the Judnot International for his delighted, appreciative winning trainer, William Haggis, and his cool-headed rider, Jim Crowley. He breezed clear of Mishrif and in the blink of an eye put the race beyond any doubt, earning now we feel rightful comparisons with the modern greats. Later in the show, I'll be discussing what should be next for this horse with, with Rishi Passad. But let's first of all check in with the horse's well-being this morning and find out what might be on the agenda with trainer William Haggis. William, uh, how is Baid doing? He feels fine, Nick. He's trotted up good. Lost a bit of weight, but... Uh... He's fine and uh, very happy with him and very proud of him. Uh, Would he have put more into yesterday's race than he has done before, do you think? I don't know. Uh, A lot of travelling, warm day, um, hard rate, well, hardish race and lots of attention. Um, You know, he'll have a few easy days, but he didn't look to overdo it. He wasn't panting. Uh, like mad when he got in into the winner's enclosure he was really rather calm he's got such a good temperament and when Jim took off down the track you know he never stopped he never you know he just loves it doesn't he he was he was he was great and I thought he got an absolutely beautiful ride from Jim yesterday beautiful ride when when a horse is so dominant like that we can we can often forget the role of, of the jockey in the horse's development he hasn't really put a foot wrong on him, has he? Not at all. And he's got more and more confidence in the horse. He trusts him now to deliver. <clears throat> and every time he asks him to go, he goes. And uh, I was going to say long may that continue, but it's not going to be much longer. But uh, he's just a fabulous horse to have anything to do with. And I think Jim is as fond of him as we all are. Um, the questions about what the the rest of the horse's career should look like will will rage on and on and on and i i suspect that you find it um bemusing amusing tedious depending on what what mood you're in but um are you in any mood to deviate at all from your original plan of going to the champion stakes ultimately nick it's not my decision uh the horse doesn't belong to me the horse is trained by us uh and it's shaker his decision and i'm sure we'll talk about it again because um lots of people will be uh, trying to convince Angus and uh, Shaker Hissa that the arc is the right way forward. Um, but, you know, I'm open to suggestions. That's always been our plan to go to Ascot, but uh, plans can change, as you well know, and I'm not saying for a minute they're going to, but the only thing I will say is it's, it's nearly two months now to, to Champions Day, and that's quite a long time. Well, indeed it is. And I, my sort of feeling was... No one's really talked about the race that would be an obvious race if there was another one slipped in, which is the, the Irish Champion Stakes at, at Leopardstown, particularly if the weather stayed nice. 
Uh, well, I think uh, uh, Joe Foley uh, is talking about it. He's texting me yesterday, uh, telling me not to forget him. Uh, he's involved on the committee at Leopardstown. Or Irish Champions Weekend, I think, more likely. Uh, that's the perfect fit if he was to have another race. Um, so, you know, uh, that's obviously open for discussion. He's in the race and, and we'll just see what happens. But... Um, he'd have to be in pretty good health to be going to Ireland, so we shall see. Um, is he a horse, you think? Yeah, I know he looks dead straightforward and he's got a great temperament. Is there anything about him that requires time between races particularly, or not really? Not really. He had a, 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 a quite a gap between um, Goodwood and the Moulin last year. Um, sort of five weeks and I, he, he had a little issue after Goodwood and I had him too fresh in the Moulin and uh, I, I don't think he needs there was a three week gap between the Sussex and yesterday so I don't think he needs particularly a lot of time it's just as long as everyone here is happy with him he's eating and he's training fine and Ricky's happy with him then, then that's all that matters um, We spoke a little bit yesterday Ricky uh, Hall is the groom that looks after uh, Baid. Um, how important a role has, has he played along the way? Well, of course, vital because he knows him. And I found over the years that, especially with the good ones, if you can keep the same person on, they the feedback becomes much better, and and they get to know them like they're part of the family. And Ricky's um, written him in quite a few pieces of work over the last couple of years, but Michael Hills rides most of his main work. And, uh, you know, they know the horse and, and, you know, trainers like me who are lucky enough to have good people and people who uh, understand what we're trying to achieve and people who know what they're talking about. You know, I, I, I follow their advice uh, avidly most of the time. Occasionally I interfere and change it, but uh, not try not to do so too often. Just going back to, to what might happen next when we spoke at the very beginning of the year, you said, I think I'll try the Frankel route of the three group ones over a mile and then the two group ones over a, a mile and a quarter. So all plan going extremely well so far. Um, are you are you informed by what horses have done in the past or do you just play your own game? I'm thinking, you, you mentioned the Frankel route, I'm thinking, of course, of his own sire, see the stars, who went from this race to the Irish champion and, and then to the arc. Yeah, well... I mean, See the Stars was a phenomenal horse and I think if he'd stayed in training by the three-year-old only races, he'd have won them all again and then you'd be saluting a proper champion. He just wasn't, he was He was not like um, uh, Frankel in the way he raced and, you know, it was similar in Australia that the Black Caviar didn't get the credit she deserved for what she achieved because Winx came along quite quickly after. And Frankel eclipsed uh, See the Stars. But if Frankel had never appeared, we'd be hailing See the Stars as an absolute champion. He was, for me, the ultimate racehorse. He won all the races that I would like to win in my career, and he won them all in one season. So, um, you know, I, I whatever See the Stars is, he was beautifully trained. He was a beautiful horse, brilliantly ridden, just just a great horse and a great sire but I don't uh, hold anything about you know what he did what route he went um, or Frankel it's it's a pretty obvious one for a horse like Baid he's won two group ones as a three year old over a mile 
<clears throat> the, the program sorts itself out pretty easily and then you get to the Sussex and then you have that decision of do you step up in trip or do you go for the Jacques Lamar or the Moulin or both and the QE2 so that's what he'd have done if he'd stayed at a mile and we upped him to a mile and a quarter and I, I think I said a, a, a couple of times you know there is a chance he could be better at a mile and a quarter Oh no, you you you're, you're you're underplaying that. You you were quite confident that he that he'd be better over a mile and a quarter. Yeah, and I think he proved that. Um, and as, as Angus Gold walked out and said to me yesterday, I've been telling Haggis he's been running him over the wrong trip for a year and a half. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, do you do you quite enjoy all the by play that comes with this journey, all the all the all the chatter and the. And the and the speculation and what 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 he should do and everyone telling you what to do. Do you do you enjoy that or does it or does it get on your nerves? Well, no, no, it doesn't really get on my nerves. But you know, it's it's with a, a top horse like this comes a lot of media attention, a lot of people wanting to visit. And oh, can we just have five minutes about Bayeed and you say the same thing all the time? But you know, it's a new phenomenon phenomenon to me because. Uh, John and Charlie Appleby and on the over jumps uh, Willie Mullins, Gordon Elliott and Paul Nichols, they've been having it forever um, so this is new to us really and, and uh, so it's very nice but it gets a bit repetitive after a while and and you eventually think oh really do I need to say any more about this source? because the more you say the more you land yourself in trouble and I can see <laughs> in the racing post at 12 o'clock today when I open it There'll be Haggis aims aiming by yeah. for the Irish champion you know solely it. because we've had this conversation. You know so it. and then so I now have to ring Angus and shake a hisser <laughs> and just say to them, This is gonna come. So uh, <laughs> uh, as you know, if if you if I I can't stress enough that anything is open to discussion, nothing is set in stone. No, I know. I, the, the thing is, if you you open the, leave the door a tiny bit ajar, of course, that's what that's, right. that's what we'll go with. And part of that's because we're all so excited about the amount of times we get to see him. Because necessarily, when you've got a horse like this who's got a stallion career, your opportunities are are limited. How much does that? How much do you think about that? The idea that just as everybody's the, a wider public are starting to appreciate him. The, the career's gone in a flash. Well, that's part and parcel of it. He's obviously a very valuable horse and a hugely important horse to the Shadwell operation. And now Shea is in charge and he must go to stud. And I hope that breeders all over Europe will support him with their, their best mares because in order for him to fulfil a career, a successful career as a stallion, he needs decent mares. And uh, that will be important to him, and I hope uh, he will get the support he deserves. It's inconceivable that he won't, though, isn't it? Well, you say that, but you never know. I don't know anything about standing stallions and stuff. There are many experts uh, better at that than me. Um, but obviously, depending on how he's priced, and you know, it, it, it's important that Group One winning producing mares uh, go to him. It will be fantastic. So you, I, I, I sort of like the way that we've, we've not only, or you've not only educated people in um, how you're training this horse, but also how the, how, how the, how the cogs of the, of the rather predictable media wheel um, are, are going to work. And so I, I have to, I have to call it Haggis doesn't rule out Irish Champion Stakes bid for Baid now, rather than, rather than should Baid run in the arc. Yeah, yeah, well, whatever. But, uh... <laughs> 
my father-in-law always used to say to me the, the, the less you say the more they listen and the more you say the less they listen so well don't say much we've been we've been speaking for 11 minutes i've been listening i've been i've, I've been listening intently <laughs> um in, um enjoy the the rest of uh, rest of the week william thanks so much for a, a very special thanks, day mate. yesterday see you there later cheers bye thanks bye right william haggis there listening to that was a broadcaster for itv and racing tv happily racing tv this week uh rishi rishi Passad. rishi that has um has thrown open the door to, to all kinds of things most notably uh, uh, without without wishing to misrepresent william in any way because he's just <laughs> talked us through the mechanics of how this all works but let's just take stock of what he said about the possibility of deviating from plan a well, there are a number of things that he said in that very good and interesting interview with you. Uh, firstly, it's not ultimately his decision, but I suspect he will play a significant role in uh, advising those who do make the decision. The second important thing I felt from listening to what he had to say to you, Nick, was the fact that he said last year he was too fresh going to the Moulin after Goodwood. And then he also pointed out that there are two months, roughly, between running in the Judmont International yesterday and running in the Champion Stakes on Champions Day. Therefore, the option of the Irish Champion Stakes, which I think is on the 10th of September, fits in perfectly. As he said, it, it fit, those were his exact words. Mm. Um, it would be the perfect fit, but he would have to be in, in rude health. Well, he'd have to be in rude health wherever he runs, whenever Correct. next he runs. They're not going to run a below par bide anyway. So I think that's taken as given, that wherever he runs next, he'll have to be in rude health. So I'm not too worried about that latter element of the discussion. I'm more excited that there's a possibility we still might see Baid at least on two occasions. And, and the other point is it, it, gives you, it just gives you that nice run-in and gateway to whatever your, your ultimate race might be, and it gives you a little bit more time to decide then what that's going to what that's going to be yeah the, the the good point about it were, were he to run in the Irish champion stakes it'll be another opportunity for him to draw away from his field over 10 furlongs to suggest that another step up in trip would not be an issue to what's the word um encourage those uh, with an opinion on where he should have his last run to become a bit more fortified in that opinion. Yeah, that, that's an interesting one. And if you look at the likely opposition in the Irish Champion Stakes, it's going to be a pretty good race because you've got two very talented French-trained three-year-olds in there in Verdani and Ernesto, who I think would have finished quite close to Verdani if he'd had any kind of a clear run in the, in the Prix de Jockey Club. Now, you and I and everybody else would fully expect Bailly to dispatch them yep. with the same sort of ease that he dispatched Mishriff yesterday. But it, again, it... You're you're sort of putting your flag in lots of different lots of different places and, and beating lots of different pools of horses. So it would sort of might embolden you, as you say. Yeah, I I would imagine so. Were he to run in the Irish Champion Stakes, he'd as you say, Vidani and Onesto would be the two biggest dangers you would suspect. And I do think he'd beat them. He'd beat them convincingly. And then you think about well, what would be the field for? Champion Stakes. What would be the field for the Arc? Actually, what what would be the field for British Champion Stakes? Because Mishra's not going to turn up at Ascot again um, this century or next. He hates the place. Exactly. I'm I'm trying to consider what. In fact, what both fields are going to look like. The two big races at the end of the season, whether it's the Champion Stakes or the Arc, is there a horse in either race that I would be desperately concerned about Baid beating? No, neither. Well, in the arc, I think you're likely to get... Title holder? 
title holder from Japan. Very smart horse. What is he? What is title holder? Do, five to one favorite for yeah. the arc, which suggests you'll get the defending champion. Torquato Tasso. Yeah. You probably get Alpinista, depending on what happens today in the Yorkshire Oaks. Yeah, a lot of, oh, well, certainly Torquato Tasso, you would want, they would want very soft ground for, and that that might put a different spin on things for Baid, were it to be very soft ground and a mile and a half for the first time. Um, but assuming good ground, a mile and a half, uh, so far, everything I've seen from Baid suggests that there'll be no problem in dispatching last year's winner, Alpinista, title holder, etc, etc. And as far as, as you say, as far as the British Champion State is concerned, we simply can't predict who's going to show up beyond some of the horses that finished third, fourth, fifth, sixth yesterday. Exactly. And, and maybe Nashua. She'd be the interesting one, wouldn't she? Yeah, but they seem to be keen to want to keep her against uh, her own sex for the, this season at least, um, which would suggest that the Champion Stakes may not be on the radar. Um, maybe something to consider next year. But I, I, I don't think there's a, there's a horse that's lurking anywhere that you know the the interesting thing about the arc is the step up and trip because the pool of horses that you suggested that he would meet in the uh champion stakes at at ascot is going to be a pretty thin or small shallow pool and it's going to be a a feel that he perhaps is beaten already so i can't see any excitement in that angle but the excitement of him stretching out to a mile and a half against some of the best horses uh, mile and a half horses, you know, Japan, mm. uh, Germany, France, etc. Might be a little bit more interesting. God, it was good yesterday, wasn't he? Brilliant. Just brilliant. I mean, <clears throat> the moment that Jim Crowley took a little tug in the straight and held him in between horses and then eased him out, it's just a joy to watch horses do that. Uh, you know, at the highest level, we, we might see it in a, in a cellar at Catterick or Redcar, um, but to see him do it against Mishrif and to clock the times that he did in the final four furlongs, I think his uh, uh, se- seventh or eighth furlong, he, he clocked um, under 11 seconds. Uh, it was just beautiful to watch. And then the moment that he changed his legs when he was asked to quicken and then sprinted away, those are the sort of things we see once in a lifetime, we thought. I mean, Franco obviously did it, um, and he's done it now. So when you look at the ratings and what he's done yesterday, it was a majestic performance. So Mishrif, 124, he's beaten six and a half lengths. You're talking about horse rated at least mid-130s, and he clearly won with something in hand. As for Mishrif, to what extent do you think he was, he was a replica of last year's winner of the race? I, I do not buy into this whole Mishrif isn't, isn't the same horse as last season. He just hates Ascot. He doesn't like Ascot. And he didn't run too badly in the King George. He missed the kick, got into the race. He doesn't stay Ascot's mile and a half, which is a very stiff mile and a half. It's a different ball game in the Shima Classic. Um, should have won the Eclipse, was very unlucky, and would have therefore beaten Vadeni, etc. So I think he's, had a, he's run all right. I mean, he was the horse who towed them along and got almost the perfect trip in behind the free-going high definition yeah well it's about as free as Ryan Moore could make him go Uh, (laughs) interestingly John Gosden didn't rule out what he had suggested originally on this show a year or so ago when he was talking about not wanting to go to Del Mar for the Breeders' Cup Classic even though that looked quite obvious last year because he'd won the Saudi Cup at the beginning of the season he he said I I don't want to do that but I wouldn't mind having having a look at Keeneland next year and I, I, I was having a conversation yesterday it sounds as though he might if he does want to crack on with him he might have a look at going and putting him in the classic and the turf okay. and then just seeing how it all shakes down you'd know the, the strength of the American dirt horses better than I would how would this year's Breeders' Cup Classic compare to the quality of horses that lined up for the Breeders' Cup Classic in Del Mar well it's all about flight line isn't it if Flightline passes his next amazing. test, 
then he's going to be even more heavily favoured than he would be now um, for the race. I, I think that there are justifiable stamina concerns about life is good at a strongly run a strongly run mile and a quarter. He's the second most talented horse in the field at the moment. There are no such concerns about Mishra's stamina. Um, whether you would trust him to get out of the gate uh, with the same alacrity that he did yesterday after they'd done plenty of gate schooling is a, a moot point. And obviously on dirt, that's more more important. Yeah, I, I totally get all that. Um, uh, the, the beauty about Mishrif and one of the positives about the horse throughout his careers have been his versatility and the fact that he's obviously won the Saudi Cup and then he uh, won the Shima Classic and he's been so good domestically as well. He's a horse that does give you those two options and I imagine ultimately if you left them in both you'd probably just rely on the possible makeup of the fields in, in determining your final choice. Now one of the, the regular features here at York during uh, Skybet uh, Ebor Festival Week is the... Um, serious needle match that is the, the rounders game that takes place after racing between ITV racing and a, 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 a mashup of, of Skybet and, and York Racecourse. Now, Dave Ord is, is part of the, the Skybet team because he is, as you know, the editor of SportingLife.com, which is part of that family. Um, uh, Dave, there was a, a momentous victory for you last night over the very competitive ITV team. Um, how satisfying was it? Nick, in terms of career highlights, we're right up there from being here the day Frankel won. It, 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 for me, eclipsed by Eid. Six years of hurt just disappeared in one swing of Michael Schinner's bat. And to see Ed Chamberlain, Johnny Murter, Jason Weaver, Mick Fischel trudging back over the nose my beat, and it was, it was glorious. Absolutely glorious. <laughs> I've actually seen some video footage of the celebrations. It's frankly embarrassing. It, it is embarrassing. I was hoping nobody had recorded them. And it should be pointed out that the victory was mainly down to three guys in the RAF display team who joined in, scored all of our rounders by Shinners' two, and were a, a, a credit to a Majesty's Armed Forces. I've got to stress that. I'm told that these RAF guys who'd, who'd parachuted in, they'd, hadn't they been spending time in the States where they'd been playing semi-professional baseball? They had. And we had the middleweight boxing champion of the RAF and a guy who was their fastest England bowler as well. So they were absolutely tuned to the minute. You couldn't have picked, fi- fi- I mean, fi- fine physical specimens. Ollie, Ollie Bell was put in the shadows. That's all I'm saying to you. Did you? So did Ollie Bell have to play for ITV or could you not second him to your team? We seconded Ollie Bell and Tom Stanley to our team. Mm. Tom Stanley looked like a British tourist in Malaga. He had dress shorts on, black socks and sandals and played accordingly. He, he, and Ollie Bell needs a visor or headgear. He, he, he just wasn't off an inch, I'm afraid. Stanley's nowhere near as good as he looks, is he? He looked the part. He walked to the mound, as I believe they call it, in, in baseball, and the rest just fell apart. It, it wasn't what we were expecting when we signed him. Um, Dave, I, I, I can only say hearty congratulations. What a day for you yesterday. Thank you, Nick. It, it truly was special. Well, I've come to the old Edwardian weighing room here at York, which was still in service right up until uh, the last few years when the brand new complex was built at the bottom of the paddock. And it's now really a monument to the history of this place. York's PR and marketing manager, Hattie Rochester, is with me now. Um, what a day to reflect on yesterday, Hattie. From your perspective, how was it? Um, it was incredible. To have a horse um, like Baid perform how he did, the crowd obviously lapped it up. It was an amazing day. We're very proud to have such an incredible horse come visit us here. And you've not been here at York that long, but you have been in the industry an awful long time. What is it about this place that, that you enjoy? The, the, the crowds, they're, they're really loyal. They really love their racing. What I really notice is everybody comes to the paddock, looks at the horses beforehand, celebrates them afterwards. 
the the pressure you can sometimes feel from the crowds when you have a big horse like Vaid cheering them down. You can actually sort of feel them coming towards you. It's it's a really immersive experience. Yeah, it's a great place. Let's just talk a little bit about um, what you're doing for the next couple of days so that the York Racecourse can be a, a centre, not just of racing excellence, but a centre of the, of the community. I'm, I'm thinking particularly of what you're doing with the, with the Ebor Community Sweepstake. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yes, so um, we've got the Ebor Community Sweepstake where we have um, created a shortlist of 22 Yorkshire-based charities and causes um, where today during the draw they will get matched with a horse um, and basically the ma- the charity matched with the winning horse of the Ebor um, wins £20,000 so it's an amazing f- figure to go to a really locally based sort of on the ground charity. Um, there's also £5,000 for the second horse and £3,000 for the third and £1,000 to the remaining charities. So we're really looking, you know, we really want to involve Yorkshire here, support Yorkshire charities that are doing great work in the community. And of course, you want to engage racegoers in in whatever way you can. You're doing that tomorrow on on Lonsdale Cup Day with, with Strad style, celebrating Stradivarius trying to win his seventh race here on the Knavesmire. Yeah, absolutely. Look, the horse the horse loves it here. He's six from six unbeaten. Let's hope he can make it seven tomorrow. So to celebrate a living legend, we want we want to invite racegoers to come here dressed in Strad's famous black and yellow colours. Come dressed in Strad style. We've got um we've had some special limited edition, only seven bottles in the world, uh, made up of Stradivarius York Gin. So the winning Strad styler, um, we'll win a bottle of that. But you, you you can come and take part in the Strad style competition on the Ebor Fashion Lawn, but we ju- it would be great to see a crowd of black and, go- black and yellow tomorrow on the Knavesmar celebrating an amazing horse. OK, I've got the memo. I'll do my best. Please do. So time for a Whirlpool update on day two of the Skybet um, Ebor Festival here at York. Jamie Hart's with me now. Jamie, you were encouraging everyone to play the obvious exotic yesterday. Well, if they did play the obvious exactor, um, did they get well paid out by Eid against Mishriff? Yeah, by to beat Mystery, I've paid thirteen to eight. So on the on the toes. So I think if you think about backing a thirteen to eight football team, you'd think that was a lot harder to win with than picking what your granny could have picked. But yeah, we and and for plenty of money, obviously, because there's a mil, there are millions of pounds in those pools, so you could have had whatever you wanted on at thirteen to eight. I think people wouldn't have expected the obvious to pay as easy as that, but it it did, and we'll have more of that today. We had um, also yesterday we we beat the SP on five out of the seven beat Betfair SP on four out of the seven so you know because sometimes people call out that we should compare to Betfair SP but it did beat Betfair SP four out of seven and in the second and third race the smaller fields the Acom um they we finished off the market at 93 percent and 94 percent just for people that don't understand how um final dividends work that means that you could have had £93 on and guaranteed yourself £100 back. So that's just, the bookmakers normally bet to over 100%. That's how they make their profit. That's all the maths, the maths is in their favour. But on two of the races yesterday, the maths was on its head and in the favour of the punters because of the guarantees with the World Pool. So look out for those across today's racing. They're quite often, you know, the, the money's in your favour, which doesn't happen when you go to the bookies or the table. What catches your eye when you look at today's card from a pool betting perspective? So one of the things we have noticed in Whirlpool is if you're looking through the fields and the trainer has two in the race, or particularly Godolphin, if Godolphin's got a white hat, um, the, the Hong Kong market 
trust the trainer and that as soon as they feel that something's a second string they leave it alone completely so that's why we saw Kariba's pay so heavily when when it won the guineas and you know things like you know when you've got one nation and courageous night in the nursery for charlie appleby if you go for the the, the second string it should pay double on the whirlpool than you'd expect at SP. So they're the kind of things to look out for. Of course, the, the cap colours are confusing with Godolphin because quite often they don't put the first colours on their first string. They'll just do it alphabetically. Exactly. So we've got the One Nation is the shorter runner and that's got the white cap today. But I think they'll still say, see that Buick's on uh, One Nation, James Doyle's on, uh, on Courageous Knight. So Courageous Knight will certainly pay well. All right, Jamie, thanks so much. Cheers. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> well, you know that when Lydia Hislop appears on this podcast, she um, has a rider that says that she'll only do this during festival meetings if she gets um, wine or champagne uh, mid-morning from the wine tipster Neil Phillips. Rishi Passad has a, a rider of a, a, a different kind. Not only has he uh, demanded a, a rather nice bottle of Fleury at 9.47 a.m. But, al- but also also some rather delicious-looking pork pies and, and scotch eggs. Mm. I can see you salivating. <laughs> it's going to be hard to talk. Um, you yes. Talk to someone else, please. Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to talk to Neil in a moment, but I, I want to talk to uh, Debs Bell, who has delivered us this terrific selection of um, pork pies and scotch eggs. Uh, Debs, just tell me a little bit about um, the, the local produce we're going to sample this morning. So we're a local butchers and pie makers. Literally from our shop, you can see the race course. So it's great that we, you know, are able to supply the, the race course as we do. And yeah, we, we use local farmers for all our pork products. It's um, free range pork and we just make the most amazing, you know, pork pies and scotch eggs. What's the secret to making a superior pie or, or scotch egg? They, I mean, they just look, they just look amazing. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's a long family recipe, so it's second generation, almost third generation. Our young, young boy started helping us on Saturdays now, so, you know, I can't give away the family secret just yet, but yeah, a lot, a lot of 40 years we've been in business, so yeah, not a long time. Can, can I just say that, that, that it's very difficult to describe it. Uh, for people watching or listening, sorry, um, the colouring on the pork pie, the egg wash is almost perfection on it, mm. and the time that the scotch egg has had being fried looks absolutely perfect. It's been pulled out at exactly the right time. Visually, I am, crucial. I, am, I am ready to go. Okay. I, I've been ready to go since they arrived. <laughs> can, we, can we go in yet? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to let you serve Rishi. I'm going to have a little chat to going. Neil yeah. about uh, what accompanies uh, pork pie or scotch egg perfectly, particularly at 9.40 in the morning. Well, I tell you, tell you what, Nick. I thought we'd have a nice light red. I'm so pleased, by the way, that Rishi is so happy because he's been saying to me, "Come on, wine tipster, bring on some food." She says, "A little bit of the crust on the pastry, perfect. The jelly inside is just setting. Let me just have a oh, hang on. I'll take a proper bite. And that's perfect pink flesh there. Perfect pink flesh. Here we go." I'm going in. Are you ready go, to go, go in? Come on, go in, go here's, in. Here's come the on. pork pie. Neil's pouring a glass of flurry mm. to accompany it. Oh, my God. That's majestic. It's what? <laughs> majestic. <laughs> I think he said majestic. Yeah, I think he did as well. He's loving this. They're absolutely fantastic. And Perfectly all seasoned local. as well. Perfectly seasoned, Debs. As I say, it's, you know, 40 years in the making. So, yeah, it's, yeah. We hand-make all our pies. We hand-press them. We hand-jelly them. It's a real, you know... 
Do you know this almost smells like it almost smells like Christmas. The 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 combination of the of the of the red wine smell and the and the hot pork. Mm, my favourite time of the year. Now. <laughs> I'm going in again. We're sorry. Going in again. Oh, sorry. It's, it's practically cold enough this, this morning. Mm. Mm. And that drop of flurry, Neil. Just tell me why that uh, that accompanies this food so well. So I was just trying to find a nice, smooth, light red here, Nick, because that's what's really nice. Because you, you, you don't want some great big thwack no, of Bordeaux no, no, the sun you, in the we, morning. We don't do want you? that. The sun in the morning. All that tannin as well just won't won't work with the pork pies here at all. Just something nice and smooth. And sometimes we we forget Beaujolais. Let's remember about Beaujolais. Overlooked, forgotten about. We've got this flurry here, the most popular crew, and it's very very smooth. Twenty twenty one. Lovely, isn't it? It's is really good. Rich, what, what do you think of the wine? just to wash that down I think Neil's absolutely right it goes beautifully with the excellent pork pie um, can I try a bit of the scotch egg as well okay, the sc- Debs just talk me through the, the, sc- the scotch egg Rishi was talking about the frying of the scotch egg is there a special technique to that yeah well we use a panko uh, rather than a traditional breadcrumb which makes mm. it a little bit more crispy and yeah you know obviously uh, try not to over overcook it and uh, yeah just get a nice colour on it really so it's got a little bit of black pudding running through our sausage ah, meat that's as well. What the black is. Yeah, so that I think makes it the perfect sort of breakfast, you know, delight really. Mm. Well, <laughs> let me test that for you. <laughs> let me have a try a little bit of a little bit of the egg which has come out perfectly yeah. in the middle. A little bit of black pudding and here we go. Can I have a little bit of that. Yeah, you can. Thanks. Mm. Oh my this, goodness this, this me. Is oh my god. This Even is better than the pork pie. <laughs> <laughs> what that's are you ridiculous. doing, Debs? They're delicious. That's so good. Genuinely, we come on these things and we go, oh, yeah, this is lovely. Oh, mmm, delicious. This is genuinely sensational. And actually, just to say as well, just to remind everybody, coming racing today and for the rest of the Ball Festival, just to let everybody know where you are on course, you've got two stands here as well, haven't you, Debs? Yeah, we've got two stands. So one in the grandstand and then the other one sort of opposite the Rosé bar in the um, sort of champagne end of the race course. So it's, yeah, come and see us. And we've got, uh, you know, the pork pies, the scotch eggs. You can have pie uh, with mash and peas, all sorts of different delights. So Do York pay you to come to the race course? Because they should do. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll let you put that to the management today. Not a problem, Debs. <laughs> Leave it with me. Now, Rishi, while you're... Um, tucking into your um, scotch egg there can you give everybody a winner for yeah. either this afternoon or later in the week yeah La Petite Coco uh, like a Paddy Toomey Paddy Toomey could be a very good week for him she's only run As once you heard on the pod earlier in the week I did hear that on the pod earlier in the week but I also did you hear it on my pod <laughs> what pod <laughs> uh, she's only run once over a mile and a half and she was mightily impressive in that one run Genuinely, I know Paddy Toomey is well regarded as a very shrewd trainer, but I don't think in this sort of company people appreciate just what a good trainer he is. And because it's a group one, I think she's, she should be even shorter. I think she has come in, uh, in the market, but I think she should be even shorter. I think she will win. She'll beat Alpinista. Okay, that's La Petite Coco. La Petite Coco. In today's Yorkshire Oaks for Rishi Passad. Debs, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Neil. Lovely drop as well, particularly for this time in the morning. And um, we will see you again uh, tomorrow. This was the day when William Haggis left the door open for Baid to possibly run in the Irish Champion Stakes. See you tomorrow. Bye bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.